Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, to the Hemming Brainiac List podcast, the best podcast ever. We are talking about chapter 116, another strange sidetrack so close to the end. Is this book coming to a conclusion? General question. Is there some conclusion? Or is it just sort of going to peter out? It seems like it's going to do a peter out to me. Anyway, that was the discussion prompt. Oh, I'll tell you what, I am sore. All this cherry sorting I've been doing at the cherry farm um, sure is making my feet hurt and my neck. Tonight, by the way, is I'm on an interesting adventure tonight. Very interesting adventure tonight. I am um, doing this podcast a little early because I've got to rush off to the hospital not because anything's wrong, don't worry. I'm not. It's not. It sounds bad when you say you're going to a hospital, but um, actually, well, I suppose something is wrong. My sleep's bad, and I have to go and do a sleep study. They have to monitor my sleep overnight. Doctor thinks I might have um, sleep apnea, or there was a couple of other things he thought it might be. Sleep apnea, something else, something else. Narcolepsy he put on there. Uh, I don't think I've got narcolepsy. But question mark, do I? That would be an interesting twist. Uh, but I do, I'm always tired, I'll tell you that much. Always, always tired. For my whole, I'm going to say my whole adult life, I've just been tired pretty much every day, I think. Sure, I have good days and bad days, less tired or more tired, and um, good sort of parts of the day and worst parts of the day. But I would say I'm never more than a couple of minutes away from a nap. You know, not that I have a nap every couple of minutes, but from right now, I could be napping within two minutes from now. If I if I just, you know, laid down on the ground here and shut my eyes, I'd be in nap town within a couple of minutes. And it's always like that. The other day I was playing tennis and, you know, running side to side, heart pumping tennis, you know, playing a good old game of tennis and I halfway through the game was just thinking if there was an armchair on this court and I could just sort of pull my hat down over my eyes I could I could be asleep within a minute mid-game you know and I don't think that's normal um so anyway yeah sleep apnea is I think the prime suspect I have been known to have dreams where I'm like choking and can't breathe or like, you know, something's in my throat and I'm trying not to inhale because I don't want to like suck it into my lungs. Um, weird dreams like that. Sleep apnea. I don't really even know what sleep apnea is. I know it's got to do with like stopping breathing during your sleep. But um, apnea. Apnea. Ap. I think it's spelt weird too. Hey, maybe it's... Maybe it's not pronounced apnea. Maybe it's pronounced... No, it is pronounced apnea because I've heard the doctor say it. But I'm just thinking... You know, like a pneumatic pump, which is spelt P-N-E-U, which, but it's pronounced pneumatic, not pneumatic. And then I'm thinking the A at the start might be like when it's the opposite. So a, a non-pneumatic pump, you'd say it's a pneumonic. Pneumatic? Pneumatic? A pneumatic. So maybe the apnea is a near, not breathing, not pumping 
oxygen. Maybe? Maybe. I'll, you know what? I will ask the doctor that too when I get to the sleep clinic. Um, so stay. Tune in tomorrow when we. I'll bring you the answer. I could probably Google it right now, but I think it would be more interesting to ask the doctor. They will either... They'll do one of two things. They'll either say, wow, great question. You sure are clever. You figured that out. You should be a doctor. They'll either say that or they'll say, um, sir, we're very busy. That is a stupid question. You are an idiot. Shut your face. Um, so it'll be one of those two things. Only time will tell. Anyway, I am prolonging this conversation because there was only one comment on the discussion forum today, and it was this. It was from Swims of the Mama Fishy, um, and it's got to do more with the book we're reading rather than my sleep apnea. Um, Swims of the Mama Fishy said, I like this newly mature Philip who is no longer ashamed about himself and shows a sense of humour. Yeah, that was a long time coming, hey? He had self-esteem issues, probably still does but he seems to be sort of growing out of them, which is very good. I think the author is drawing on his own experience while completing his medical training. This was an interesting slice of life chapter. He does do a lot of slice of life chapters, this author, and I'm going to be honest, I don't really like the way he does a slice of life chapter because I really feel like they're chapters where the author went on almost like a little field trip and sat, you know, like sort of took notes of where he was so like um almost like looked around the room and wrote down what he was looking at and then went and wrote the chapter and just included all those things because there's just so many details that are just unnecessary and it's almost like it, it feels like someone looking around a room and saying uh and then there was a table under him made of wood and on that table was a um microphone stand with three bends in it um, and with the cable was wrapped around that in uh, several different places, um, connecting to a C1 Behringer microphone, which was about four inches away from his mouth, uh, and there was a, um, a dust cover over the top of that to stop um, popping. Um, it's like a pop filter for the microphone. Uh, next to him there was a mouse. It's an Apple Magic mouse. Uh, and it's a bit like that. That's how the chapters feel to me, like just looking around the room and, and saying what's there. And it's like, it's not, those chapters don't feel like they're coming from like an imagination of someone. They feel like just a chronicle uh, and they, they don't flow well to me. They, they really stick out of the, the novel uh, stylistically. Anyway, um, but then I feel like the effect is, people were like whoa like how did they imagine so many details it's such a vivid picture that they've painted but for me i'm like i don't really feel like that's what they're doing i really just feel like they're looking around a room and writing down all the things that they see um or you know going to a day of work and writing down everything that happened or that kind of thing anywho let's keep reading i've got to go to the hospital what a fun night this is going to be i'm downloading um star trek from Netflix, you know, Netflix lets you download things onto your phone, so I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna have that. I'm gonna watch that, so that's exciting. Anyway, you didn't need to know that, but you do now. Chapter one hundred and seventeen goes like this: Philip 
had written to Athelney to tell him that he was doing a locum in Dorsetshire, and in due course received an answer from him. It was written in the formal manner he affected, studded with pompous epithets, as a Persian diadem was studded with precious stones, and in the beautiful hand like black letter and as a difficult to read upon which he prided himself. He suggested that Philip should join him and his family in the Kentish Hopfield, to which he went every year. And, to persuade him, said various beautiful and complicated things about Philip's soul and the winding tendrils of the hops. Philip replied at once that he would come on the first day he was free. Though not born there, he had a peculiar affection for the Isle of Thanet, and he was fired with enthusiasm as he thought of spending a fortnight so close to the earth and amid conditions which needed only a blue sky to be as idyllic as the olive groves of Arcady. The four weeks of his engagement at Farnley passed quickly. On the cliff, a new town was springing up with red brick villas round golf links, and a large hotel had recently been opened to cater for the summer visitors, but Philip went there seldom. Down below, by the harbour, the little stone houses of a past century were clustered in a delightful delightful confusion, and the narrow streets climbing down steeply had an air of antiquity, which appealed to the imagination. By the water's edge were neat cottages, with trim, tiny gardens in front of them. They were inhabited by retired captains in the merchant service, and by mothers or widows of men who had gained their living by the sea. And they had an appearance which was quaint and peaceful. In the little harbour came tramps from Spain, and the Levant ships of small tonnage, and now and then a wind-jammer was borne in by the winds of romance. It reminded Philip of the dirty little harbour, with it, with its colliers at Blackstable, and he thought that there he had first acquired the desire, which was now an obsession, for eastern lands and sunlit islands in a tropic sea, but here you felt yourself closer to the wide deep ocean than on the shore of that north sea which seemed always circumscribed. Here you could draw a long breath as you looked out upon the even vastness and the west wind, the dear soft salt wind of England uplifted the heart and at the same time melted it to tenderness. One evening when Philip had reached his last week with Dr. South, a child came to the surgery door while the old doctor and Philip were making prescriptions. It was a little little ragged girl with a dirty face and bare feet. Philip opened the door. Please, sir, will you come to Mrs. Fletcher's in Ivy Lane at once? What's the matter with Mrs. Fletcher? called out Dr. South in his rasping voice. The child took no notice of him but addressed herself again to Philip. Please, sir, here's her little boy's had an accident and will you come at once? Tell Mrs. Fletcher I'm coming, called out Dr. South. The little girl hesitated for a moment and, putting a dirty finger in a dirty mouth, stood still and looked at Philip. "'What's the matter, kid?' said Philip, smiling. "'Please, sir, Mrs. Fletcher says, will the new doctor come?' There was a sound in the dispensary, and Dr. South came out into the passage. "'Isn't Mrs. Fletcher satisfied with me?' he barked. "'I've attended Mrs. Fletcher since she was born. Why aren't I good enough to attend her filthy brat?' The little girl looked for a moment as though she were going to cry, then she thought better of it, and she put out her tongue deliberately at Dr. South, and before he could recover from his astonishment, bolted off as fast as she could run. Philip saw that the old gentleman was annoyed. "'You look rather fagged, and it's a goodish way to Ivy Lane,' he said. 
by way of giving him an excuse not to go himself. Dr. South gave a low snarl. It's a damned sight nearer for a man who's got the use of both legs than for a man who's only got one and a half. Philip reddened and stood silent for a while. Do you wish me to go or will you go yourself? He said at last, frigidly. What's the good of my going? They want you. Philip took up his hat and went to see the patient. It was hard upon eight o'clock when they came back. Dr. South was standing in the dining room with his back to the fireplace. You've been a long time, he said. I'm sorry, why didn't you start dinner? Because I chose to wait. Have you been all this while at Mrs. Fletcher's? No, I'm afraid I haven't. I stopped to look at the sunset on my way back and I didn't think of the time. Dr. South did not reply and the servant brought in some grilled sprats. Philip ate them with an excellent appetite. Suddenly Dr. South shot a question at him. Why did you look at the sunset? Philip answered with his mouthful. Because I was happy. Dr. South gave him an odd look and the shadow of a smile flickered across his old tired face. They ate the rest of the dinner in silence and when the maid had given them the port and left the room, the old man leaned back and fixed his sharp eyes on Philip. It stung you up a bit when I spoke of your game leg, young fellow, he said. People always do, directly or indirectly, when they get angry with me. I suppose they know it's your weak point. Philip faced him and looked at him steadily. Are you very glad to have discovered it? The doctor did not answer, but he gave a chuckle of bitter mirth. They sat for a while staring at one another, then Dr. South surprised Philip extremely. Why don't you stay here and I'll get rid of that damned fool with his mumps? It's very kind of you, but I hope to get an appointment at the hospital in the autumn. It'll help me so much in getting other work later. I'm offering you a partnership, said Dr. South grumpily. Why? asked Philip with surprise. They seem to like you down here. I don't think that was a fact which altogether met with your approval, Philip said dryly. Do you suppose that after forty years' practice I care a twopenny damn whether people prefer my assistant to me? No, my friend, there's no sentiment between my patients and me. I don't expect gratitude from them. I expect them to pay my fees. Well, what do you say to it? Philip made no reply, not because he was thinking over the proposal, but because he was astonished. It was evidently very unusual for someone to offer a partnership to a newly qualified man, and he realized with wonder that, although nothing would induce him to say so, Dr. South had taken a fancy to him. He thought how amused the secretary at St. Luke's would be when he told him. The practice brings in about 700 a year. What we can reckon out how much your share would be worth, and you can pay me off by degrees. And when I die, you can succeed me. I think that's better than knocking about hospitals for two or three years and then taking assistantships until you can afford to set up for yourself. Philip knew it was a chance that most people in his profession would jump at. The profession was overcrowded and half the men he knew would be thankful to accept the certainty of even so modest a a competent as that. I'm awfully sorry, but I can't, he said. It means giving up everything I aimed at for years. In one way and another, I've had a roughish time, but I always had that one hope before me to get qualified so that I might travel. And now, when I wake in the morning, my bones simply ache to get off. I don't mind where particularly, but just away to places I've never been to. Now the goal seemed very near. He would have finished his appointment at St. Luke's by the middle of the following year, and then he would go to Spain. He could afford to spend several months there, rambling up and down the land, which stood to him for romance. After that he would get a ship and go to the east. Life was before him, and time of no account. 
He could wander for years if he chose in unfrequented places amid strange peoples where life was led in strange ways. He did not know what he sought or what his journeys would bring him, but he had a feeling that he would learn something new about life and gain some clue to the mystery that he had solved only to find more mysterious. And even if he found nothing, he would allay the unrest which gnawed at his heart. But Dr. South was showing him a great kindness, and it seemed ungrateful to refuse his offer for no adequate reason, so in his shy way, trying to appear as matter-of-fact as possible, he made some attempt to explain why it was so important to him to carry out the plans he had cherished so passionately. Dr. South listened quietly, and a gentle look came into his shrewd old eyes. It seemed to Philip an added kindness that he did not press him on to accept his offer. Benevolence is often very peremptory. He appeared to look upon Philip's reasons as sound. Dropping the subject, he began to talk of his own youth. He had been in the Royal Navy, and it was his long connection with the sea that, when he retired, had made him settle at Farnley. He told him Philip of old days in the Pacific and of wild adventures in China. He had taken part in an expedition against the headhunters of Borneo and had known Samoa when it was still an independent state. He had touched at Coral Islands. Philip listened to him entranced. Little by little he told Philip about himself. Dr. South was a widower. His wife had died 30 years before, and his daughter had married a farmer in Rhodesia. He had quarrelled with him, and she had not come to England for 10 years. It was just as if he had never had a wife or child. He was very lonely. His gruffness was little more than a protection which he wore to hide a complete disillusionment, and to Philip it seemed tragic to see him just waiting for death, not impatiently, but rather with loathing for it, hating old age, and unable to resign himself to its limitations, and yet with the feeling that death was the only solution of the bitterness of his life. Philip crossed his path, and the natural affection which long separation from his daughter had killed she had taken her husband's part in the quarrel, and her children had never seen, settled itself upon Philip. At first it made him angry. He told himself it was a sign of dotage, but there was something in Philip that attracted him, and he found himself smiling at him. He knew not why. Philip did not bore him. Once or twice he put his hand on his shoulder. It was as near a caress as he had got since his daughter left England so many years before. When the time came for Philip to go, Dr. South accompanied him to the station. He found himself unaccountably depressed. "'I've had a ripping time here,' said Philip. "'You've been awfully kind to me.' "'I suppose you're very glad to go?' "'I enjoyed myself here.' "'But you want to get out into the world?' "'Ah, you have youth.' He hesitated a moment. "'I want you to remember that if you change your mind, my offer still stands.' "'That's awfully kind of you.' Philip shook hands with him, out of the carriage window, and the train steamed out of the station. Philip thought of the fortnight he was going to spend in the hop field. He was happy at the idea of seeing his friends again, and rejoiced because the day was fine. But Dr. South walked slowly back to his empty house. He felt very old and very lonely. All right, there we go, another chapter for you. Poor old Dr. South. I feel bad for the old man. Ah, uh, nearly guilted Philip into staying nearly guilted me into staying i was about to say oh you know what screw it i'll stay <laughs> uh have your say about the chapter over at the subreddit thanks for listening i'll see you tomorrow